Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 413 of the JV Club with my marvelous guest, Julia Fowler. I know Julia because she was a writer on Country Comfort, which is now available to watch on Netflix. We talk all about the show and about Julia's own experience growing up as a Southerner. Uh, on this episode. I hope you enjoy it. I'm sure you will. And I also just want to remind everyone that we are coming on into Max Fun Drive and we want to hear from you. And by we, I mean me. And I also mean Max Fun. But I am very excited for you to send your JV Club inspirational stories, things that you love about the podcast, uh, things that you've learned from it or that have, you know, if you've connected with other people through the podcast. I am so excited to hear about it and to celebrate it and to have it on the show. You can email memberstories at MaximumFun.org or you can even leave a voicemail at 323-601-8719 about what the show means to you and I I am very, very excited about this. I would love to hear from you and uh, share some stuff from you instead of from my own dingbat head for a change. So hoping to hear from you. In the meantime, enjoy the episode and I'll talk to you soon. Grinning from ear to ear when you when your face appeared, I was like, "Good." Oh, you're so cute! And how um, are you? Just so excited about Friday. I'm really excited. I'm really excited. I just took a look at. Uh, I missed like because the way they sent us all the different promo stuff, it was like packed in. But you know how they send links that are live links, but it just will be like one word, like, and then you'll find these folders, and then da 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 da. But like the word folder is the thing you have to click to get to the folder. So it kind of disappears in the body of an email. And there was so much hoo-ha about the singing promo that like, I didn't even see that that stuff was down there. So I just was going through and rereading. I was like, oh, I shit, I need to click on this link. So I clicked on it. And that was that opened up all the key art and stuff that they yes. sent and so i just saw the one of piper and me with yes, the, walking. Which, walking. oh my god the cross at the crotch honey it priceless cross at the crotch i can it see me priceless. right now doing that up and down the writer's room and oh karen going my god what are you doing i was like this is how she has to teach her to walk cross at the crotch it's perfect karen goes why would you cross at the crotch i said because it makes your hips look smaller <laughs> honey that went right in, in the script and it stayed in god, it I was put it so in. funny gotta put it in y'all are so funny in it too you look so fantastic in that photo oh i know it's a, it's such a great photo i mean it's so cool it feels like it's Maybe I know the show too well, but I kind of feel like it's really clear what's going on. Like, you kind of don't have to know anything to know, oh, no, oh, no, this woman is trying to teach this child how to walk a catwalk. This is not good. Like, I feel like it's immediately evident. It's adorable. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm super excited. Are you excited? I am excited. I mean, you know, it's just been so crazy with the whole, like, doing it and then you know, being shut down and then coming back and then being a castaway for the comeback. I mean, that was so I know, hard. I know. It was so we hard. Missed you. It was so hard not to have you there. You're, oh, you're such a crazy. presence. Oh, you're so it's sweet. It was just, you. it was really hard for Ron and I because we were literally glued to our computers. Oh my God. I can't 12. do it. 
to 15 to sometimes no. sometimes I was rewriting till two o'clock in the morning. Oh my god! Did with you Karen, were the, uh, on yes, Zoom? You can't feel your tailbone after a certain amount of time. Oh, that's insane! And also, it's just not good for your no. eyes, your brain yeah. to be. You know, absolutely. You, just, you start to like. You start to miss things. You yeah. know, when I'm there oh, god, on yeah. set, yes. I can be like. Why is she wearing that? What What is yes, going on over there? Yes, Can she yes. pick up that? Fix that over there. Why is there a cross necklace on? There shouldn't be a cross yeah. necklace. Like all that little stuff Yeah. that you just don't, you know, it's you just can't hard. possibly. It's Mm-mm. just there's a glaze. I mean, there's, yeah, there's some, that's, that makes perfect sense. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Okay. So this is happening. Our show is coming out. You, uh, your Southern blood is coursing through the veins of this show. Is it surreal? Like to have so many things that are connected so much to sort of the folklore of your youth infused and other people saying it and like the sort of like, you know what I mean? Is that is that because that's got to be a different experience than just writing on a show or performing on a show that doesn't necessarily have that same like life force that you kind of infused. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's different. I mean, the truth is, Janet, I mean, I think the reason that I got this job is because of that life experience, you know, yeah. and and I sort of uh, carved a lane as a writer um, the last couple of years of just sort of writing Southern material. That's where I'm comfortable. That's where I feel like uh, it's my strength. Um, you know, they say, write what you know. And so that's what I started doing. And um, I feel like it, it, it has served me in many ways. I think for many, for, for the first half of my career as an actress, I felt like my Southerness was something that I had to put aside um, because it was it was an obstacle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an obstacle to being taken seriously in the big city. You know, I lived mm-hmm. in New York City first and, and then yeah. in Los Angeles. And, you know, there's, there's this connotation that goes with me in Southern, you know, that's like, yeah. oh, somehow I'm you know, uh, dumb in some way, um, or or slower than others, um, (laughs) you know, or quirky in some bizarre way. Right. Um, And, and I think as an actress, you know, I spent so much time in voice and diction classes. And then I was musical theater. So so much time singing and learning not to sing in diphthongs and, you know, all of that. So that when I moved to LA, um, and yeah, I was still acting and stuff, but that's when I first decided I really wanted to start writing. That's when we moved to LA. And when I got here, my Southern accent was even more of an issue because, you know, I'm going out for all these different shows and, yeah. you know, it was just constant me having to cover it up. So I think when I started to write, it was almost like a security blanket mm. that I started writing in a Southern accent. And then I just sort of kept on. And then that led to jobs in the accent, led to books, led to the YouTube channel, led to, so it just sort of mushroomed into this, this um, sort of authentic expression of myself. And it's how I met Karen on a different show. Um, She and I uh, created a different show together and and, uh, worked on that. Well, they, did I know it, that? It, I don't know if I did. I, I don't you know, didn't know that. that. Well, you do. No. I'll, I'll tell you that if you're interested. Please. Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I was born and raised in Gaffney, South Carolina, which is a real small town, and and then I moved to New York City. So 
I'm and you didn't that nowhere in between. You went from straight straight up small town in South in South Carolina to well, the yes. city of cities in the United States. Oh, basically. like insane, insane. Yeah. I mean, I went to University of South Carolina, which was in Columbia, which is the okay. state capital of South Carolina. Right. So you know, I really thought I had huge leap. <laughs> Experience, you know, and then you land in New York City and you're like, oh, Lord, what is happening? Um, and I actually talk a lot about that in my first book, Talk Southern to me, because, you know, it really was like, you know, Dorothy, you're not in Kansas anymore kind of moment. Um, and anyway, I met my husband there who was born and raised in Manhattan. So we are polar opposites. Now, you've met my husband, so yeah. you know him, but we're polar opposites. So. You know, it was it was very uh, it was interesting for our our courtship and our families to meld and, and you know all of that. There was there was there were struggles along the way. There was humor along the way, um, and I took a lot of that and I uh, I came up with an idea of a show. I wanted to do a sitcom called Shalom, y'all. That was about a Jewish family, a northern Jewish family. <laughs> the title says it all. A northern Jewish family and a southern family, you know, coming together. Um, and so I was uh, put together with Karen through her manager, Alex Hertzberg, because okay. um, I was looking for a showrunner um, to work on that idea with. And I was looking for a Jewish lady. Yeah. And there she was, you know, oh and God, she I love is it. perfect and hilarious. I love it. Um, so we built that show together and we did a pilot and then we took it out and then we didn't sell it. And then, you know, we redeveloped at Warner Brothers and then we didn't sell it again. And, you know, it was a it, it was a fun, wonderful, creative experience, but ultimately a little frustrating for us. Sure. Um, so I think we were just, I was so honored that when she um, created Country Comfort and sold it, that she thought of me. Oh my God. But but the, when you when you tell the story, like it's so clear that it would have been insane for her not to think of you. Like that's not a, that's not like a, a middle of the night she wakes up and goes, wait a minute, hold on, I've got an idea. Like I'm sure you were in her mind from the jump. There's no way that yeah, you well, weren't. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I'm not the only Southern writer in LA. There are others, you know, there, there are others, but I- You haven't managed to get them all banned and kicked yeah, out yeah. with your angry Southern woman style. Get rid of her, get her out of here. <laughs> get her out of here. Um, no, but she- um. Uh, you know, Karen, Karen, Karen and I make a good team. And, and, you know, it was really fun for me to be in the room with Peter Mark Jacobson, Ron Rappaport, who, you know, basically I made the joke. I was like, it's three Jews and me, you know, let's make a Southern show, you know, and we, we <laughs> made the joke out of, but the truth is, is that they had the plethora of sitcom experience right. and, you know, Boy, it I, shows. Yeah. And this I, that's a, that's a magic combination. The four of you. And, and I had this, this whole other thing that I brought to the table. Um, and, you know, everything that I do as a Southerner is all about um, elevating the South, putting the South on the platform, celebrating the greatness of the South. I think a lot of times the South gets a, gets a bad reputation. And, mm -hmm. and yes, we have, we have problems with our history. I'm aware, you know, I'm not proud mm -hmm. of everything about the South, however, right. Um, I am proud of a lot of things about the South, and one of them is the people. And I think they're just the most hospitable people in the world. And they're hilarious. I yeah. mean, they're just naturally funny. You know, they just go about saying things in the funniest way. And 
So I, you know, it's it's my job, I think, um, being a Southerner out here in Hollywood is to try to bring that authenticity um, um, to, to, to this program, you know, to this TV show, to, to yeah. bring an authentic Southern voice and, and to make sure that our show is always in the tone of celebrating the South, celebrating Southerners, celebrating country music, celebrating Nashville, um, you know, and, 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 and Karen allowed, allowed me the space um, to do that. And I'm forever grateful because I do feel like my heart, you know, there's, there's a piece of my heart and soul that's on the show. Um, and I'm sure the other, the other writers feel that as well, um, yeah. including um, our wonderful writer's assistant, Amy uh, Pittman, and our wonderful script coordinator, um, uh, Amy, uh, Ange. So, yeah, you know, yeah. it's, Ange and Amy so great too. Yeah, Ange and Amy are so great, great, you know. So it was like, we, we had a really good group. Um, and, and I think that, that, that that shows that shows oh, on God. it's it makes such a difference i mean there is so much there was so much love on that set um and and you know i mean i i tell you this all the time but like meeting you for the first time when we were you know doing this table read and and piper just like immediately kind of sitting on your lap <laughs> and it was just like you kind of represent I mean, my experience auditioning was obviously also wonderful because it was Karen and Peter and Suzanne Goddard Smythe, who was just, in her, you know, all of her, her and Megan. They're just oh, salt of the earth. Um, salt but, of the earth. Yeah, you that, know, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you know, a no, funny no, tidbit about Suzanne is she gave me my very first job in Hollywood. She just about gave me mine, girl. <laughs> She's been championing us. Yes. For quite some time. Yes. She, she gets it. She I think she gets it. And she, she's loyal. She remembers yes. people. She, yes. She's good. She's I'm not surprised at all that mm -hmm. she saw what was in you from from right away. Oh, because years that, ago. That totally so it was funny sense. when she walked into the writer's room, she was like, Julia Fowler? What are you doing here? You're an actor. I was like, I'm a writer on this, you know. Oh, that's <laughs> so good. Her, you know, in that's a different, so good. in a different way. Absolutely, absolutely. So, I, what I think is so interesting too, when you know, is is the, is folks who people like you who have this like very rich experience of growing up in this very specific place and then the perspective that you get do you feel like it is something you can kind of only get from leaving that place and being in the most different place because it puts everything into a very specific context that you probably wouldn't have even gotten if you just moved to Nashville or if you just moved to Arizona even you know where I'm from the, the specificity of having in stark contrast both in your relationship and in your experience just walking down the street has got to have had such a magical way of kind of forming the way you saw do you know what i mean does that make sense without 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 question I, and i think it's a really brilliant observation that you've made because you, you're spot on um i always joke and say you know i never really knew how southern i was till i left the south and that's the truth i didn't yeah. I didn't even realize that my Southern accent was that bad. I mean, you know, I majored in theater at the University of South Carolina. It was a Shakespeare program. Oh, I when love I go it. back now and laugh and I think oh. about like what I must have sounded like doing oh, plays. But must but everyone must have sounded like. I guess. And and you know, I and guess. this was with and this was with, you know, with you know, all the diction classes and all that that was going on constantly. So, you know, I really thought that I was speaking standard American English, you know, when I arrived in New York City and I learned very quickly that 
yes, while I may be able to do that in auditions and stuff, you know, I, I wear my Southern on my sleeve. And, and it wasn't just the accent, it's just also the culture, like the way in which you go about things. You know, I always laugh. The first time, I, the first time it snowed in New York, you know, I had just moved there and it started snowing and it just progressively got colder and colder. And, you know, Southerners don't like the snow. We don't do well in snow. <laughs> um, you take the recent power outages in Texas and oh, Mississippi, right? Okay. We, we yeah. don't, we don't do well in snow. Um, but, you know, it's, it, we have this thing where we always laugh, you know, it's the, the, the minute it starts snowing, Southerners run out and, and we, we get milk and bread. <laughs> because somehow we feel like we're never going to be able to get milk and bread again. Everybody oh my God. does it. It's yeah. the thing that you do. Yeah. So I remember being, and when you get there at the grocery store, it's usually the shelves are white clean of milk and bread because you <laughs> right. know, they called, they called for two inches of snow, you know, you never. And not toilet paper. As we found out in the pandemic, the whole nation <laughs> thinks toilet paper will be unavailable. So yes. not toilet paper so much as milk and bread. When milk there's and a, bread some for sort some of, reason. For some, some reason, sort that's of what switch, people need. Yeah. So as I'm living in New York, you know, I it starts snowing and I'm like, oh my goodness, I better go get milk and bread. <laughs> and I run to the bodega, you know, and I'm like, I just can't believe all the milk and bread that's on the, in the shelves. You know, nobody seems to be in a panic. Is this like security I, footage of right, you like right. looking around like, is this okay? Can I take two milks? <laughs> right, right. You know, and then I had an audition the next day. And I just assumed it was going to be canceled because of all that snow. I mean, you know, there's like a foot of snow on the floor. And I was like, I, and I remember my agent calling me and was like, why didn't you show up? And I was like, well, it was a blizzard. I, I thought it was, she was like, listen, Scarlett O'Hara, nothing <laughs> is canceled. Okay. She was like, you will not be missing on digital. So, you know, it's just little things like that. Yeah, you know? absolutely. You know, just little words that I would use, you know, people would have a hard time understanding. And I find it's the same way in Los Angeles, you know? So I do think that being outside of the South gave me an appreciation for my culture that I yeah. truly don't think I would have otherwise really come to know it's, it. it at a young age in my yeah. 20s, in my 30s you know and and so i'm interested too because it was such a small town um how did you sort of get bit by the acting bug and how did you like what was your high school like and and was the did you have a sense of like and i was put this in context with my own teenagerhood in tucson i loved acting and i sort of had this latent fantasy of doing it for a living but i also had never saw that in any kind of real context right. and so it just didn't seem real and Feasible. it didn't it continued not to seem real for most of my 20s and then mm -hmm. suddenly it became real um but does, did you have that at all or did you have this sort of like because i also have people on the podcast who when they were teenagers no matter how small a town they were from they were like no i was pretty sure that i was going to end up working in the business for real somehow i just got you know came, got overcame the small town feeling etc yeah you know well it's so interesting for me there's 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 lore in gaffney south carolina mm. because andy mcdowell is from uh -huh. okay? she could be the key <laughs> right so um andy actually is it's actually oddly enough i bring her up she's the last person i saw last year before the pandemic really we shut down she had lunch with andy on, on march the 14th oh last my year, goodness and then everything was shut down oh my but, goodness um i didn't know i never knew andy when she was um 
in my hometown because of our age difference. So when, right. but we lived on the same street. So when I was oh, a little wow. girl, Andy used to, was in high school and she would drive her bicycle up and down. She was so beautiful. You know, everybody talked about yeah. how beautiful she was. And then she went away to University of South Carolina and she, you know, she, uh, you know, she ended up coming a model and then becoming an actress, you know, and so when I was coming up through school, people, cause I was interested in, um, uh, the arts, um, people would say to me, oh, you remind me of Andy McDowell. Not the way you look, but just that you're interested in the arts, you know? So mm -hmm, I kind of mm -hmm. always had this thing in my head that people from my hometown could make it, which that, is, that, I, guess, yeah. I guess that's valuable. Um, yeah. How I got into the arts is a little bit different. That's basically stage mama. My mama <laughs> was a pageant girl and she, my, my mother, um, was uh, in the top 10 in the Mid-South Carolina pageant and then oh, man. she won okay. talent and then she went on to work for the Miss America pageant system for years. Wow. I grew up uh, behind the scenes of the Miss America pageant system, so I really understood all that. Um, but mother put me in little girl pageants from the time I was a baby babe, like, you know, four or five years old. I was yeah. We Miss Gaffney, Janet, so... <laughs> I'm treating you so disrespectfully. <laughs> royalty. Madam, okay? I apologize to thee. I, I doff my hat at thee. I curtsy I mean, to thee. Come on. Oh my. Okay, so, wait. Miss Wee Gaffney? Is that we, what? Miss. We, we miss. Miss. We miss. We miss Gaffney. Gaffney. And, I love it. And uh, yes, uh, so, you know, I started in these little girl, and that was at five years old, okay? So I started in all these little girl pageants. and. Mama got me interested. Mama, you know, mama was doing putting me in all that stuff, but she also put me in dancing school. And dancing school is where I really took to. Um, that's really, I'd say my my first love was dance. And um, and mama had always wanted to take dance. And her family was not able to really afford a lot of lessons and that sort of thing. So I think mama was a little bit living vicariously through me, which yeah. is okay for me because right. it ended up being the best thing that happened to me. Um, I became a, um, a professional dancer. That's how I broke into showbiz. I mean, I literally oh, wow. kicked in the show business door. I was a Broadway dancer. Okay. And, um, and ended up performing on Broadway and doing tours. And, you know, that led to a whole musical theater degree. But, you know, when you audition for Broadway, you have to have a way in. Are you auditioning yeah, for a yeah. singer? Are you auditioning for a dancer? You have to you have to initially go into the audition in one way. Every, you have to be a triple threat. Ultimately, you have to do it to do everything. But you got to have a way in the door, you know. Right. And so that was a good way in the door for me. And um, and I just I, I, I kind of. I kind of was just always on stage from the time I was little. So it never, yeah. what never occurred to me, Janet, was writing. Yeah. Ever. Those you things know? don't always, yeah, the performance side, especially with pretty girls, and I could be wrong, I'm just speaking from my experience, and maybe mm -hmm. you can identify with that as well. That is, of all the things that sort of, if the, whatever the, the, the central hub is and the spokes that kind of, that, that spring out from, whatever sort like if you are maybe a pretty girl even if you're funny I mean I, I don't know again I can only speak to, to my experience but I feel like I've talked to a lot of women who felt encouraged to sing felt encouraged to dance felt encouraged to model felt encouraged to act uh but it but it's sort of kind of there's just there wasn't a whole lot of like and encouraged to write like that sort of it just didn't extend that far no, you know as young I, people. I, would, I would say that was in many ways true for me which is odd because I was kind of a nerd um yeah. I was a straight A student 
honor roll student, graduated college, magna cum laude. Like I was nerdy and, um, and I was a good writer. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't yeah. get this. I know, but you don't put those two things together because I, I relate. Right. Yeah, I relate but to I this. Like I was like writing papers for class <sighs> yeah. or, or writing, you know, and somehow I didn't, it just didn't translate to me. I, I couldn't relate more. No, I, it just didn't translate. And it really wasn't until I moved to Los Angeles. Um, like I said, you know, I had been used to doing eight shows a week and I had been on that schedule for years. I mean, almost 10 years. And, and, you know, going to an audition, you know, you in LA, if oh. you have two auditions, it was oh, yeah. back when you used to drop The sense around. of what do I, what's my purpose? What am I doing What am I doing Yeah, sure. And how am I filling up my day? And then it's like, you know, you go to 25 auditions and you book one thing right. and you shoot two days and you're like, right. now what? Yeah. So I was really kind of struggling, um, I would say with some creative depression, you know what I mean? Absolutely. I like, what am I doing? And the reason I had moved here is because I had gotten married, my husband's television producer. So I had moved out here for his career. Um, yeah. And he was still early, early stages of his careers. You know, we were both really struggling. Um, but it was my manager that said to me, you know, Julia, uh, you should consider maybe just writing your own material. Yeah. And, you know, may, maybe that would fill up some of your time. And so I, my very first script I ever wrote, you'll, you'll appreciate this. First script I ever wrote, I told my husband, I'm going to write a script. He was like, mm, that's lovely. Good for you. <laughs> and uh, I was like, I need this software called Final Draft, you know, from like 2000. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, that software is like $400. Why don't you oh. write your script? Why don't you work on your script idea? And if it's, you know, if it's good, we'll think about buying the software, right? <gasps> so I didn't know any better. I literally didn't know any better. I wrote a movie on Microsoft Word. Oh. Tab, tab, oh my God. tab, What a tab. slog. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. And then I handed it to him and said, okay, I wrote my movie. And he was like, oh my God, you wrote a movie on Microsoft Word? He was in hysterics. He was like, Julia, he was like, you, you didn't have to do that. I was like, well, you said I couldn't have the software unless it was any good. <laughs> so he read it and uh, he was like, um, okay, yeah, you can have final draft. <laughs> and then we got final draft and then I had to rewrite the oh, whole thing. that's right, you can't, draft. you can't just plug it in. You no, yeah, can't. you You're can't right. just copy and paste oh, that over. God. But it ended up being a great exercise as you can imagine. Um, Good point. And wouldn't you know, I, that was that's, that very first script, I optioned a New Line Cinema. Okay, we're gonna take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Max Fun members, what's your favorite JV Club episode? Because I'm making a special JV Club episode that's all about you and what your favorite moments from the podcast are. Okay, so here's what you do. Record a 30-second to one-minute voice memo telling us which JV Club episode or guest really stuck with you and why. And then just send it to producer Julian's email, which is julian at MaximumFun.org. That's J-U-L-I-A-N at MaximumFun.org with the subject line Max Fun JV Club. And yours might be one of the episodes that makes the curated special. In case you missed any of that, you can find all the information in the show notes for this episode. I'm so excited to hear from you and to put together a very special JV Club fan curated 
sort of variety show episode. So email Julian. I can't wait. Let's do this. Hi, I'm Biz. And I'm Teresa. And we're the hosts of One Bad Mother, a podcast about parenting. Parenting is hard and we have no advice, but we do see you doing it. Talk if you like to do it. <laughs> Didn't we have a bumper sticker a while back that was like, yeah. honk if you did it. That's what it I was. I think it was honk if you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we not ever make this? Those we are did make life. them. I did think we? they're still in the Max Fun store. <laughs> honk, honk, you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Biz. So are you. Each week, we'll be here to remind you that you're doing a good job. You can find us on MaximumFun.org. Hong Kong. Toot toot. It doesn't surprise me in the sense that we know going into this that you are so bright and that you are a person who takes chances and a person who, you know, pursues these things that I'm sure along the way, despite, you know, Andy McDowell and your mom (laughs) and all that kind of stuff, like you're still hearing here and there, like, that's going to be tough going to Broadway, oh. huh? Woo, good luck. You know what I mean? So you had plowed through and, and sort of pushed past that stuff already. And I I do think that, you know, a lot of the time, if we don't know better, sometimes we do, you know, we do that great work if we just can get out of our own way. And then we spend the rest of our time trying to sort of hold on to that feeling of like that's because that was kind of my experience coming down here is like I came down here like what what the hell someone's forcing me. basically I was like coaxed into coming down here and like <laughs> no this is a vacation from real life when I have a real job as a grown-up and and I started working and I don't think it's not like it was like oh you started working right away I think it was because I was like I came into the room like I don't need this yeah you know what I mean yeah. it was like very magnetic is- because I was sitting so now you, you try to hold on to the feeling of like I don't I don't need this job. I don't need you. <laughs> I, I'm totally uh, chill. So, like you know, but there's something so pure about that that first you know Microsoft Word script. So I'm not surprised that, it you, is. that you sold and, and, it. I think you know, that's ignorance wonderful. Ignorance is bliss. Ignorance yes. is bliss, yeah. isn't it? Because you know, when you know too much, fear takes over. Yep. You know, and and yep. and when you know nothing. You, you just go for it because you don't under, you don't fully understand the obstacles. Yeah. Um, you know, now that I've you know, been around Hollywood for 20 years, you know, now I work on meditation exercises to yeah. overcome fear because I know yeah. too much, Yep. you know, and, and, you know, learning to sort of, uh, you know, push past that fear and, yeah. and, you know, uh, take creative chances. Yeah. You know, even though it's really frightening to take creative chances, you know, because yeah. it's art. And what are people going to think? Are they going to think this is dumb? Are they going to think this is funny? That's I mean, so you know, vulnerable. It's, it's such a vulnerable place to be. Yeah. 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 I just uh, I just rewatched the movie version, which is fairly flawed um, for reasons I feel like have been discussed many times, but uh, of Six Degrees of Separation, because I love okay. that play. Yes. That, uh, John Guare. And there's this there's a whole monologue in there where where um, the Donald Sutherland character mm-hmm. he plays him in the movie is talking about how he he's uh, uh, he's fascinated by the fact that i think i think it's second grade he's like i didn't under i would you would go to the first graders and you would look up at their arcs he's an art dealer and it was just messy and blobs and handprints and then you go to third grade and it was just 
trying, it was everyone was trying to do the same thing. It was trying to, but second grade, second grade is the Kandinsky's and the Pollock's. What is it about second grade? And, and the teacher said, yes. that's when they're at their most brilliant. They're, they're free. They're free associating. They, they have the uh, skills or they're learning the skills to do it, but they haven't gotten in their own way yet. And just yeah. the idea that there's like a sliver of life it's and a child pocket. is in second grade. And that's yes. it. After that, that's it. You, you peak at like eight years old. That's right. That's right. That's right. And if you're very lucky, you just kind of can crawl back to that space. Now, when you were in high school, what, did you go to a private school, a public school? Oh, no, honey. I went uh, to uh, big, fat, public 4A, <gasps> you know, what's called yeah. 4A. I don't know how it's done in Arizona, but in South Carolina, there's the 1A schools, 2A schools, 3A schools, 4A schools, and that all has to do with the sports teams of school. I see. So okay. it's how big the high school is. Is it a 1A school up to a 4A is your biggest high school, right? Okay, gotcha. So in my community, we had one high school, Gaffney High School, and... Um, you know, we had two middle schools that fed into that, but I was all public school. Oh, and yeah, me too. Trust me, I begged my mom and daddy to go to private school because I was bullied. Yeah. I was bullied a lot. I was real nerdy. You know, I was yeah. very, very tall. You're tall as well, Janet. Yeah. Um, uh, so you probably understand this, but you know, I was five foot nine. Me too. Yeah. In the seventh grade. Yeah. And I know I got tall and then I just never grew. I grew fast. And then it was like, I guess you're going to be 5'10. But that's yeah, exactly. like very young. Like, uh, that's it. It's like I yeah. was 5'9 in the seventh grade. I had braces and headgear for two and a half years that had to be worn oh all of the time because my overbite was so bad. So imagine the torture. And then I had all this red hair. You know what I mean? In in yeah. a, in a place where being blonde and blue eyed and tan was the standard of beauty in the South. You know, was that like confusing? Was there a part of you, or, or because you had done pageants and stuff as a kid, was there a disconnect of like, well, wait a minute, I th I think people thought I was cute at one time, or was it? Did you always kind of understand because you were behind the scenes? Did you always kind of get like, no, that's that. And then yes. real life is what happens the rest of the time. No, and let's not be confused. Just because I did pageants did not mean I was winning pageants, Janet. There's a very, very, very uh, I'm thing. sorry, <laughs> Miss, we, we miss. I've, I can't remember we again. Miss, we, we miss. We miss. So, we miss Gaffney. So, yes, we miss Gaffney. I think at five years old, I, I, I was probably the only one that was, had, was brave enough to answer the interview question. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, so I managed to win. But what, what was funny about pageants, I stopped doing pageants around 12 or 13 years old. I, I did them when I was a kid. Right. Um, when you're a kid, they, they did two divisions. So there was the beauty division or the talent division. So mother at first was entering me in both divisions. And then she started to understand that her entry fee was being wasted in the beauty oh, division no. because I was not the standard of beauty. Right. <laughs> well, and to, I will say neither is Andy McDowell in this in the sense and, that and here that she moment. has this curly hair and she's yes. like she's sort of has you and she both have the you don't look like each other, but you both have that like you could take your face and you could sort of take you and put you in any era and you you could it could work. You know, you look right. like you could be in the turn of a the century. Period. You look like you could be a flap or you look like you'd be in the 40s. Right. The last place that you might look like you could belong might be a similar place to where she would look like she didn't belong, which is like 
a big public school in the South where you're not blonde and you exactly. don't, you're not tan and you're not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, I was, uh, I, ma, I, I did well in the talent division, you know, uh-huh. so I kept, I kept, I kept collecting my trophies in the talent yeah. division, you know, occasionally yeah. I'd parade across the stage in a, in a party dress or something. Uh-huh. You know, if mama just wanted to, you know, it was a two for one entry fee deal. They let us get in there for free, you know. But, but so the, I never had this sense of thinking I was pretty. That right. was something that I really um, was, was, and, and it was drowned in my head from the time I was in the seventh grade. You know, I, there was a group of girls that were very popular. They were a year older yeah. than me. So, you know, that, you know how that rolls, you know, so you're with, you're with that, gr- that group of girls older than you all the way through. Sure. Now, now all those girls are very kind to me when I go home and they're That's very good. nice and they're my Facebook friends and whatnot. But at the time they were horrible to me <laughs> and it was really, really oh. bad. And, you know, and, and, it hurt my feelings. You know, I can remember I, I used to tease my hair way out. I had, you know, big hair issues. And I can remember they used to call me lampshade. Oh, um, no. You know, because my hair, they said my hair was in the hair, shape of oh. lampshade. You know, I got a lot of stuff about being a redhead. And, you know, I got a lot of flack for being smart. You mm. know, and I think that that's a problem mm. with, with a lot of young girls. You know, they hide, they, they hide the fact that they're smart because they think that won't make them popular with boys or whatnot. Yeah. Um, and I would say that in many ways that was probably true of me. I didn't have a choice but to be smart because my mother was a school teacher and she was like, you will make A's or you yeah. will be homeless. Like, that's just yeah. the way it's going to be. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I definitely was bullied, you know, and, and, and looking back on that, I realized the severity to which I was bullied in high school. I'm talking being followed around in cars and chased oh, out God, of school, sorry. you know, by girls who wanted to fight me and you know, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, Janet, it builds character. I know. It don't you struggle with that too? Do you, because you don't, we, I feel, I feel so protective of our young, of our younger generations and there's and and there is that kind of tension in conversations i think amongst parents non-parents community members because nobody wants anybody to be bullied on a fundamental level you feel so defensive of of kids who are getting bullied you hear horror stories about kids who kill themselves over being bullied i mean of course no one wants that yet at the same time being on the side of someone because i also was bullied and like physically beat up when I think yeah. about some of the stuff that happened to me. I'm laughing, but like a kid kicked me in the stomach and yes. knocked the wind out of me, and I basically passed out on the ground. Like, yes. where were the teachers? Anyway, but yeah. like, but I also don't feel damaged as much as I feel empathetic, as much as I feel like comedy helped. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I, the friends I made were people that, you know, I could under, could, could trust and understood and were able yes. to joke about you know what i mean so that's the stuff where you sort of go well, i wouldn't change it but i also don't i don't know what to say about the future because i'm not that kid anymore and i hate the idea of a kid getting bullied yet at the same time you're torn because at the same at the same time you're like oh but you you might be so special if you yes <laughs> you could yes. survive and I mean, it and and, be, and become the you know the best version of yourself because of it like be, oh no what do you yeah, say yeah well i mean you know i think in many ways you know I, all of our pain, all of our trauma, everybody has it, you know, in some way, shape or form, it's all the foundation of who we are. Um, So you, I don't think anybody really escapes that, you know, but when I look back on it, I realized that I, 
at the time I was bullied, I was embarrassed by it. You know, it's an embarrassing thing because you feel like I'm not popular. And, and most of the bullying, of course, goes on at school in the halls in front of the popular people. So it's humiliating. It's just this level of humiliation. Yes, that was awful for me. But when I think about kids today and social media, oh, I can't even imagine. It, ch I get, it chills my level, soul. The level of I bullying. Know, I mean, I that know. really is just like a whole other uh, ball of wax, you know, yeah. because... It, it, it's it, so insidious. It's in front, it's of, it's so in front of you and, all and, the time. And, and, and kids are so brave because they're just hiding behind a screen. They're not even going to have to come up to your face and, and bully you. And, you know, I think that's part of life. You know, I, I, the thing is, I think if children are too protected. You know, it doesn't serve them. Um, as well. And, and it, I owned a dance studio for 17 years. And so I dealt with a lot of parents and a lot of kids. Oh, wow. You start sure. to really see, you know, how system, how households work. You know right, what I mean? You, right, know, you right. start to see, well, this parent, they parent like this, and this is the result of this kid. And, you know, when you are dealing with a lot of children and, you know, I think if a child's overprotective, it's not good for them. And and if if nobody's paying attention, where are the teachers? Where are the parents? Obviously, that's disastrous as well. There's a certain amount of of torture that I think is good for building character. Um, right. But I do think that this sort of you know social media culture is something I am ever so grateful that I did not grow up with. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's, that's the other thing that I'm with. I, we don't have to go down this road for very long, but just side note, agreed. And also a sense of like, I, I keep circling back to this place of not wanting to be the person who's like, you know, every generation has their curmudgeons who are like, television these days. When I was a kid, I didn't watch TV. These people are turning into murderers. Like, when we're kids and adults say that stuff around us, we're like, oh, my God. Okay, Gosh, right, things have right. changed. Get used to it. And so it's so hard to know. Like, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm sure I've said this a million times on the podcast, but I, I mean, I've been doing it nine years, so it's okay. But, uh, but just like, I'm, it's, where do you, what do you do? I mean, like, what are the things that, you roll with because that's just how technology is and this is this and like that's it is what it is and kids will be tough and they'll just get used to it or you know and then what do you actively say well now hey hold on we're in new territory should we be talking about this more or should we be monitoring this differently or should we like what is our role in you know shaping the future because i don't want to be the person that's like you know i don't why I can't still say this word that I thought was fine to say mm -hmm. because I get it. Like time marches on and you, and I don't want to hurt anyone's feet. Like none of that. Right. You know, I don't want to be one of those comedians who's like, it used to be, you could talk about people with disabilities and that was yes. funny. Like, no, 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 no. Right. Yes. Yes. But I, but I also don't want to be the person that's like so laissez faire that I'm like, I don't know. Okay. I guess kids will kill themselves because they get bullied. What are you going to do? It's technology. Right. It's not my generation, you know? Mm -hmm, so it's just mm -hmm. so hard to know like how, how involved and like, you know, what our perspective is. And I mean, gosh, people yeah. who study that, like psychologists and sociologists, I'm like, oh, gosh, what are we going to be? What are we going to say in 20 years? <laughs> what are we going to be saying? It's true. It's true. I mean, I think, you know, when I was when I was actively teaching dance, um, you know, I, I felt like I was you know, as a teacher, you really do have a bit of influence over over sure. 
kids, you know, massive. My parents were both dance. teachers as well. So right. and your mom, you know, and you know, so, and you taught. Yeah. yeah. So they, Huge. you know, kids look up to you. And so, you know, I, I was of the philosophy with, with kids and, and, you know, I, I'm not, I've not been lucky enough to be a parent, but, but I would say that if I were, and what I tried to do with my students was lay a foundation of confidence for them that didn't have anything to do with outside opinions. Mm-hmm. And that's really, yep. I think, Great. where where we need to serve our youth um, yeah. is, is, you know, uh, building their self-esteem, um, finding things that build their self-esteem because the world is lying in wait to tear, mm-hmm. to tear your self-esteem down. Yeah. And that's not just as a kid, that's as an adult. You right. know, you walk into any job, you walk into any audition. I mean, Janet, look, you know, you came in audition for the show. You know, I remember I remember going to the bathroom when they were having the auditions and there were literally hundreds of girls up and down the halls, one prettier than the next. And it was, you know, I, I, I was like, you know, it's just crazy. You know, it's 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 crazy. Now, I'm sure that some of those girls were nice when you were waiting in line and so when you come into your test and some not so much, you know, it's like. But you have to learn in that moment, like, this is who I am. This is my self-worth. And I am not going to be, um, you know, knocked off my game or, right. or, you know, knocked off, knocked off my self-esteem. You know, I'm not going to let these people suck my self-esteem just because I, you know, they think they're better than me or whatever that game is, you know, yeah. or they're trying to, to, to mess with my head in some way. So I don't know. I think that that's really, really where we need to serve our youth more. Yeah, absolutely. Building, building a foundation of self-esteem. I think that's such, I think that's, I think that's right. Um, And that actually, I started thinking too about you, you know, faring in, in New York City, which is a very, uh, it's an intense place, you know, I mean, I've spent a lot of time there and uh, I'm tired at the end of the day in New York in a way that I am literally not tired anywhere else in the world that I've ever been. It is mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it's bad, but it is it just wears on you because it's so it's so all, all the time. It's just there. It's just always mm-hmm. there yes. and loud and close. And if it's too hot, it's really hot. And if it's freezing, it's freezing. And it really does test you just by virtue of what it is. And I think that's why, you know, people talk about this fierce loyalty that that people start to feel towards New York or they have had their whole life because they're from there. And it is the sort of earned. It's a sense of like breaking a horse or something. It's a sense of like. She gets me and I get her. It wasn't easy, but she and I got a good thing going, me in New York now. Don't you talk about New York being too hard, you know. But, like, that's, I mean, what a shift for you. But at the same time, I mean, if you were experiencing unpleasantness, even in a small town setting, again, there's it, there it is again, gearing you up for, oh, yeah, I know what this looks like. Oh, yeah, this is hard. But I know hard. It's just right. a different heart. Yeah, I think I think when you're from a small town, being different is not a good thing. But when you go into a place like New York City, being different suddenly serves you. Yeah. And and I think that was the big shift for me, you know, is is once I was once I realized that my uniqueness in New York City was a good thing and not a bad thing, you know, I, I started to soar there. 
it's incredibly aggressive. It's yeah. incredibly difficult. It's incredibly expensive. <laughs> I yeah. had nothing, uh -huh. you know. I had yeah. a tr one trunk and slept on a futon for years, even after I was on Broadway, yeah. because it's so expensive. Yeah, and um, you know, but but. I, I think it's the reason, Janet, that they say if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere because it really is that nuts and that yeah. hard. And I always say that getting an apartment in New York City was the single most difficult thing I've ever done in my entire oh life. My God. Harder so than getting any job, oh harder than God. anything. Because yeah. you don't know what you're doing and you're young and you're broke and you're desperate because if yeah. you cannot figure out where to live, you are homeless on the streets of New York City. And there were yeah. many, many days where I was couch surfing because I couldn't figure out where to live. And yeah. it was scary. And yeah. then I finally did, you know, and it, 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 and I talk about that in one of my books as well. I do an essay on that, but you know, it's, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, LA is definitely a, uh, a more comfortable place to pursue show business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it really is. It really it is. is. It is. You know, it has its own problems. You it know, absolutely it does. has its it problems. Absolutely does. Uh, you know, I could do without all this traffic, you know, but, uh, I know. I but know. the weather, man, you can't beat the weather, you know, I and know. I live down here at the beach. So it's pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the weather, yes. Of course, like everyone from the outside. Of, I was just listening to a podcast this morning where someone was talking about actually he's from the Carolinas. I can't remember north or south, but he was saying something about, you know, and because you know how it is when it rains in in California, like half the state just slides off the hill. That's <laughs> like, right. That's oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> everyone from everywhere else like sort of looks at us like we're crazy because there are <laughs> so many, so many things that could go wrong here with the weather. But when they're not going wrong, it's a wonderful place. It be. is. When the earth's not shaking when the and, and, not shaking, and the, mountain, the, the, the mountains aren't sliding. Or on fire, then we are golden. It's the golden state. What it's can we the say? Golden state. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. The JV Club is supported in part by Libby. Okay, friends, I am a huge consumer of books and audiobooks. Audiobooks in particular, I go through so quickly that I can't believe I just got it and then I'm done with it and then I'm not sure what to do with it. <laughs> so I am so excited about Libby because it's a free reading app created by Overdrive and it lets you borrow ebooks and audiobooks from your library, but on your phone, your tablets, Kindle, computers, all you need is a valid library card from your library. And I love the library. Now, even if you don't have a library card currently, you can read samples of any book you see and Libby works just like your physical library. So you simply borrow available books books you want to read and then and this is not necessarily the same as a physical library these guys return themselves automatically after your loan expires super handy uh all you need to do to enjoy this just as i am enjoying is download libby in the apple app store or google play store to start borrowing and sampling ebooks and audiobooks today Whew, this is really going to keep me busy in a good way does our podcast deep dive into the weirdest Wikipedia pages we can find? Yes. Do we learn about scam artists, remote islands, horrible mascots, beautiful diseases, and mythical monsters? Yes, 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 absolutely, and yes. Do we retain any of this knowledge? Eh. 
Probably not. I'm Emily Heller. I'm Lisa Hannawalt. We make art and comedy and TV shows and also the podcast Baby Geniuses. For the past eight years, we've been trying to learn new things about the world and each other every episode. But let's be honest, this podcast is mostly about two friends hanging out, shooting the breeze, and making each other laugh. We're horny, we like gardening and horses, and we get real stupid on here. Well, like, in a smart way. Yeah. Join us every other week on Maximum Fun. So I end each episode with a mash game. I don't know if you ever played this uh, when you were a kid. Mansion, apartment, shack, and house is what mash stands for. It doesn't matter if you've never played it. I never do all play. the work. Okay, I do good. all the work. It's just a. It's just a like a traditional dumb kind of game that I played when I was a kid, uh, where someone would say like, "So it's kind of an eeny meeny miny mo at the end." So it's like, okay, you ended up with an apartment, and you gave me a. Russell Crowe, Pierce Brosnan, and Sean Connery as the three men you'd want to marry. Well, you married Pierce Brosnan, and you drive a Camaro, and you have six kids, and it's just like so. It's just a, so I like to sort okay, of fine. tailor it to uh, to some of the stuff that that I know about you or that we kind of talked about okay. in the podcast. So the first one that I will do is three roles on Broadway that you will probably not get a chance to play. Maybe you don't even wouldn't even want to anymore. But in this sort of perfect alternate universe that we're creating, three roles that you would love to play on Broadway. It can be gender bending. It can be like all none of the rules apply. It just would be freaking fun to do for one time or for a couple weeks, whatever you want. Three. Well, I've always wanted to do Steel Magnolias. Oh, um, please. I've absolutely. I've never, ever done a production uh, of Steel Magnolias, believe Slaughter it. it. So, uh, you know, and I would like to play any of the, you know, Malin probably at this point, you know, the Sally Field role is probably, probably what I'm, the only thing I'm, I'm eligible for at this moment. But, but I'm <laughs> saying this is a, this is a suspended world in which none a of that matters. So world. if you have okay. a perfect, if you have a role that you think has passed, it's not here, not, <laughs> not in this here. reality. Not here. So you pick whichever um, one you want. I've always, I always wanted to play Louise in Gypsy Great. on Great. Uh, Broadway. And I always wanted to play, um, I think the character's name is Carnell. Uh, it's in the Miss Firecracker contest. It's a Holly oh, Hunter okay. role. Um, oh, great. I, I think her name's Carnell. I can't, I, I, I think I'm getting the character's name wrong, but it's the lead in the Miss Firecracker contest. Okay. We'll know what it's standing in for, even if it's not the exact right Yeah, name. it's close enough. <laughs> okay, it's close enough. It's close enough. Okay, three places in the world. Uh, we're going to be pretend like we can just teleport you there. Obviously, COVID is not a thing in this in this alternate universe. Three places in the world you would love to have a second home if we could just teleport you there whenever you wanted. Oh, that's easy. Nashville. Great. Charleston. Great. Hawaii. Great. Maui specifically. <laughs> Great. Great, great, great. Okay. Uh, wonderful. Okay, next category. Three foods that in this reality are either very fattening, sugary, maybe they feel ecologically irresponsible in some way, or it's, you know, fish that, you know, you're like, oh, what's in this fish? What metal is in this fish? In this alternate reality, nothing like that exists. So it can be as sugary as you want. You can have it in perpetuity. Zero ramifications to you or anyone else. Three foods. Three and it can be as specific as like biscuits and gravy, or it could be like the biscuits and gravy that I used to get at blank in Gaffney. Got it. Got it. Um, I want the cornbread from Husk. Great. 
which is a restaurant. Uh, it's they have a location in Charleston and in and in Nashville, and I think they have a third one, but I'm not. Oh, it's in Greenville, South Carolina. That's where the third oh, nice. is. Anyway, they have the best cornbread I've ever had in my whole life. Um, I could eat literally 25 loaves of it. Oh, um, I love cornbread. I did too. I love it. Um, bacon. I love bacon. <laughs> That's <laughs> what so this bad for me. For. But I would eat bacon every day if I could. Um, and then I have a sweet tooth. You know, I love sweets. So like, a, like those old lady, like, like the church ladies make the layer cakes, you yeah. know, with that, that, yep. that, like when it's like seven oh, layers, yes, like a red velvet yes. or an Italian cream. Yes, I like that. I like those old Southern layer cakes. I love it. I love it. This is how the game is played. You're doing great. <laughs> You're doing great. Great. Okay. Three writers, uh, it could be any kind of writer that uh, living or dead that it would be amazing to collaborate on something with? Oh, wow. Um, one of my favorite writers is a lady named Julia Reed. Uh, she recently passed. She's a Southern writer, uh, journalist and a writer. I wish I wish I could have met her and yeah. had lunch with her and yeah. worked on something with her. Love it. Um, Tennessee Williams. <laughs> I mean, I loved poor whiskey with Tennessee Williams. And oh my God, amazing! Talk Can you Come on now, <laughs> what a life changer. And um, you know, Nora Ephron. Nora Ephron. I, I. Uh, oh my God, was, you guys would have got along on like a house on fire. I well, I was fortunate enough to know Nora. You did. Okay, uh, well that doesn't. Yes, I me. was fortunate enough to know Nora. Um, uh, my mother-in-law and Nora were very close friends. So I uh, got the opportunity to, to get to know Nora and, and you know, uh, but we lost Nora so, so early. I know, I know. And the reason I wish Nora was around is because she really, she was somebody who inspired my, me as a writer, uh, as, a, as a female screenwriter. And it was, I was in the very early stages of just exploring that. And I just kind of wish Nora was around so mm. I could say thank you. Yeah. You know, I'm working as a, as a writer now, and thank you for being one of the many women that paved the way. Ugh! Now I'm crying. I, I love know. that. I love. That. I I'm know. so. I love that you knew her. Now you're my one degree of separation from Nora Ephron. Yes. Did you? Had you ever met Nora? No. That's She's, why you're my one degree. Now I'm. Now I'm only one person away from. I'm only from, one person away from, she, from uh, a she hero. Was, incredibly incredibly special incredibly fun and an amazing cook an amazing yes. cook wow since we were talking about food earlier no kidding oh i love it okay all right listen all due respect to your wonderful husband who i do think is wonderful <laughs> in this mash game we do engage in some crushery we engage oh, in some excellent. so living or dead character from something living person actor you know what i mean it could be specific to like kevin klein in this movie i had a huge crush on kevin klein when it was not appropriate for me to have a crush on kevin That's klein funny. as a child uh <laughs> so i bring that up but um yeah so three and again doesn't matter living or dead could be a character from a book doesn't matter Oh my goodness, let's think about that. Well, I can just tell you, my biggest celebrity movie star crush is Matt Damon. Great. I have a thing for Matt Damon. I my husband is well aware of this, and he's my big movie star crush. 
It's a lot scarier when you work in the business. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, not even really, I know. I'm like, I'm going to think some dead people that I can bring up here, you know? I mean, I'm going to think of some dead people. Uh, yeah, but no, I love me some Matt Damon. And who else really, you know, I'm big into singers, you know? Okay. So I, I always think I would have probably like, I would have been the idiot that would have dated like Jim Morrison or something, you know, like I was always like, I was always the girl dating, you know, the drummer with the blue hair and, right. you know, the lead singer of the band that, you know, probably uh -huh. was never going anywhere, uh -huh. you know, his band was never getting out of his garage. You know, I, I had that kind of issue. Uh, um, it, the longer their hair, the dirtier, <laughs> the more the tattoos, the more my mother would be upset, you know, uh -huh. that kind of person. Yep. Yep. And then um probably I guess I'm putting am I putting in Jim Morrison? Like is that what I'm putting in? Am I putting I guess or am Jim I putting Morrison? In sure. Put in right. Jim Morrison, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, Val Kilmer as Jim Morrison, I guess is also Oh good, yeah, you know? that's a good one. That's a good we could go the that old way. Days. Val's old. Yeah, days. the old the old sexy <sighs> Val Kilmer. Yeah. Um and you know, I I think it's maybe because when I first moved to I mean, you know, I also, well, no, I better just say it. Blake Shelton. I have a big crush on Blake Shelton. He's just as cute as he can be. Great. And I great, really great. think that my crush with Blake is as much his personality as anything else. I just really find him super endearing in that good old boy Southern way, you know, in the best. <laughs> In the and he, he just has that excellent southern sense of humor and 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 not to mention he's a singer and I have you know yeah disclosed that I have a soft spot for singers so there you go yes indeed okay wonderful 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 okay speaking of singing because you were doing so much singing I'm gonna give you this is your opportunity to we're sort of altering this alternate universe's history of music in that you get to have been responsible for writing and performing like three iconic albums from any time like oh i can't you so you thought pink floyd's the wall was the, you didn't realize that i wrote and that's me singing on playing all the instruments that's me or you know like patsy klein or so three albums that we sort of will over to you uh in this alternate universe Oh, wow. Well, I think Dolly Parton's the best, best songwriter on the planet Earth. So, you know, I, I don't know. I can't name off the top of my head which Dolly album. Yeah. Um, but any Dolly You'll, album. Yeah, we'll give you I'll a Dolly. Take any Dolly album, you know, I would right. like to be responsible. She'd for. probably be like, I've made so many. If those, why don't you just take one? Just, <laughs> just take, take one. Money. I won't notice just... it's gone. Um. So, yeah, Dolly. I love me some Dolly. Um, who else would I think? Oh, Fleetwood Mac, honey, like Rumors. Nice. Great. Yes, great, Fleetwood great. Mac, Rumors. That one of my favorite albums ever. So good. Um, and, you know, I am an, I, I'm kind of a, my, my taste is all over the place, but I am also a huge Edie Brickell fan. Oh, yeah, and I sure would say, indeed. remember her very first album that came out that was made her yeah. so popular? Uh, um, what was the name of that? Because it was, uh, 
Edward Helen and New Bohemians. New, I New see. Bohemians. I see and the it was cover it. of too I many see things. The co- yeah. Remember that one? Yeah. I think that's the one that also has me. I'm a party of party. circle. Yes. Of friends. friends. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yes. I don't know what I, that is it? Is it one of those like that's too, it's too long of a title because like it was I can't remember. I can't remember. I can't remember the title either. You I'm know, I can't remember yeah. the title either. But that was a that very was formative. That was a yes. formative album for me. Yes. And I've remained a Edward Kell fan. And I often wonder, why is she not making more music? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I saw her. She played with Paul Simon. Yes, uh, I at saw the that. bowl. Did you go to the, with that one at the bowl that, that Steve Mar was mm-hmm. Steve Martin was on, on that one too? Yeah, and and I felt the same way. I was like, come on, shooting rubber bands at the stars. I, I was going to say bands. something so with the stars, but I never could have. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. She's just like I don't know. She, I guess she, yeah, I don't know. She's <laughs> I groovy. Agree. I, I like wish her. You're doing more. She's super groovy. Yeah. Uh, okay, next category. Let us do. Let's do three movies that you can jump into whenever you want and just sort of be in that space with those characters. You're not reliving the plot. You're just sort of it's just a way to escape into this total alternate reality. So it could be the New York of uh, Nora Ephron movie, but it could also be, you know, Narnia or you know, a different planet or whatever. Um, I like to you mean like movies I would jump into that I can just jump right into? It's just mm-hmm. I've, I've yeah. seen it's them like, so many times. Well, it doesn't even have to be that. You could be it could be something you saw once, but it could just be like, oh, I love the feel of Amelie. Like I just want to be in the Amelie, Amelie world. world. Do you know what I mean? Like right. that sort of that sort of feeling. Um. Oh, let's see. Um. Hmm. I love the feel, like, for me, yeah, Grease is probably oh the God, movie great. I wish I could just roll right into. Right. <laughs> right. You know, Grease. I'd like to be living in a, in a real life Grease. I love that. Um, Saturday Night Fever, also great. a world I love. Take I love- me there. Any kind of singing and dancing movie, you know? Great. Great, great, And then great. I know this sounds weird because, you know, it's not necessarily the happiest movie the whole way through. But I love Coal Miner's Daughter. There's something oh, sure. about being being in the mountains like that in the yeah. South that just, yeah. I just love to fall into that, you know? It's the same Man. for me if I yeah. watch October Sky or, you know, yeah. uh, Dolly Parton's, you know, uh, any of her Code of Many Colors, you know, any of those kind of things where you just yeah. fall into Appalachia. Yeah. I love that. Um, God, talk about songwriting. Loretta Lynn. I mean, if you are listening to this and you have not explored the the oeuvre of Loretta Lynn, she is balls out. Like, you yes. cannot believe. Like, there are female hip-hop artists that, like, write music that's, like, in your face in a way that you're like, not since Loretta Lynn has anybody <laughs> been that bold and brave yeah. and fabulous. It's remarkable. She's really yeah. something. Yeah, she's um, fantastic. And you, she just put oh out a God. new album. Uh, she did? Yes, oh, I just saw cool. it on Facebook. She just put out some new music at her age. Just, I'm, I'm impressed. I know. Good for know. her. Ugh, I love it. Okay. Final category. Let's do uh, three. What we're going to do is we're going to create a, a, a secret room in your house that somehow there's just a door in the wall, but, you know, it's as big or as small as it needs to be. But it's not really taking up uh, any kind of uh, square footage. So it could be okay. a gym. It could be the forest. It could be a recording studio. It could be a dance studio. Uh, it could just be like a little cozy library um three rooms that you would like to have that we can magically add to your house 
Ooh, well, I want another bedroom because right. my second bedroom right now is currently a writing office and a Pilates studio. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of maddening in here. Yeah, and so yeah. I need a guest room. Right. Um, I would like a... Um, I would like a big sunroom, like a big yeah. screened-in porch Absolutely. sunroom that I could Love it. entertain and have, you know, reading and that kind of thing. And then I would like a big wine cellar. <laughs> great, great, great. Great, great, great. Okay. Uh, let me ask you this. What is – how would you describe – your mood when you woke up this morning in one word? Stressed. Okay. I am going to do a quick little, this sort of system of the eeny meenies. Okay. Uh, and give you your 100% guaranteed fictitious mesh alternate okay. universe reality. Uh, would you please tell people about uh, your channel, about your books, about Southern Comfort, uh, Country Comfort. Sorry, we were called Southern Comfort for five minutes. <laughs> yes, uh, it's true. And, now we're com- and, and somehow that slipped back out. Oh, because it was a Southern woman. That's what, because I was just talking about you. And Yes. Uh, okay. So will you just tell folks uh, listening about that while I do this, and then I'll come back and I'll have the results for you? Yes, absolutely. Yes. So I have a YouTube channel. It's called Southern Women Channel, and uh, I make videos that celebrate uh, Southern humor and, uh, you know, the South's most precious asset, um, which I think it's the South's most precious asset, Southern women. Um, So I use a lot of Southern actresses um, uh, and and we just have a lot of fun over there celebrating the way people talk and, and, uh, you know, just crazy things Southern women say. Um, I have two books out. Uh, One book is called Talk Southern to Me. Um, it came out in 2018, and my book, Embrace Your Southern Sugar, uh, was released this year, um, actually in September of 2020. So that just came out. They're both published by uh, Gibbs Smith Publishing. Um, and I'm currently writing on Country Comfort, which premieres March 19th on Netflix. Um, and I'm super excited about it. It's created by the brilliant Karen Lucas, and it stars... The super talented Catherine McPhee and Eddie Cibrian. And let's not forget Janet Barney, who is <laughs> fabulous in it as Summer, one of my favorite characters in the show, oh, one of my favorite fun. people to write for. Oh um, I just love it. I I get to have a lot of fun being Summer in the writer's room. And then it's so fun to see you bring it to life. Um, on the set and it's really really great you're just so terrific and if y'all don't tune in for any other reason tune in to see Janet everyone else in the show is good of course Catherine and Eddie are good of course um, the kids are so the kids are spectacular Um, Eric Balfour does a great job as well it's amazing um you know it's just a really special cast but I'm telling y'all, tune in for Janet. She is hilarious. <laughs> it was so fun. So, 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 so fun. I, God, I hope we get to make more. Uh, Me too. I have honey. your results. I think you'd be very pleased. Perfect. Um, first of all, I like this because, you know, we got, we've got the South covered, but there are still some uh, sprinkles that could have gone even more southern i think although hmm, no most of this is very southern uh but there's some there's some touches of uh, uh, you'll see you'll see you'll see exactly where i'm getting okay. with this um 
So first of all, I want to congratulate you for uh, your turn as Malin. But I would say also <laughs> any of the other characters, you could play all of them. You could just it could be like this is a, this is a magical world we're creating. You would just be all of the characters in Steel Magnolias. Fabulous. The one woman show. Fabulous is turn. Steel Magnolias. She's going to be very busy. She should be very, very busy on that stage, but it is fabulous. I know that you uh, are also uh, sashaying your way right into a collaboration with none other than a Tennessee Williams. Uh-huh. So I cannot wait to find out uh, what you guys are going to do together. I want to congratulate you on your, uh, you know, there was that one Dolly album everyone mistakenly thinks is Dolly. Yes. Of course it is you. So, um, <laughs> Um, you have this slice of Dolly genius that's just floating around out there. Yes. Uh, speaking of strong, talented Southern uh, music writers, you can also hop into the movie Coal Miner's Daughter whenever you just want to get that sense of Appalachia. Is Appalachia? The Appalachians? Appalachia? Appalachia? Appala- uh, well, people, uh, people say uh, it differently, right? Appalachia. Appalachia. It's, Appalachia. Uh, Appalachia. Appalachia. Appalach, okay. latch, latch, okay. like latch. That's Appalachian. the way Southerners pronounce it. Appalachian. Because mm-hmm. I say Appalachians, and I've that's never what been most there, people say. Most yeah. people say Appalachian, and that's that's the most popular pronunciation. Yeah. But yes, yeah, some are say Appalach. Southerners say Appalach. Okay, great. Uh, <laughs> so you have that. You also have a fabulous wine cellar. So congratulations oh, on that, on that uh, dark and sexy area over. of your house. I'll come over. <laughs> We'll trawl through there. Uh, I don't want to uh, get in the way. Uh, I know that you and your uh, alternate universe husband, Matt Damon, uh, have a very feisty romance. So yes, I just feisty. don't want to I don't want to be in the way. Uh, but I but I <laughs> but I am excited to be invited over. I don't know if you're going to invite me to uh, the wine cellar and, and your home here or if I'm going to head over to your uh, place in Maui. Well. You're welcome to the place in Maui. I thank you. I Just thank bring me you. some extra sunscreen, please. But I will bring welcome. you some sunscreen. I will tell you one thing you will not need. You will never need because you will always have it at your discretion in perpetuity with zero ramifications. It's just nonstop bacon. Just yes. as much bacon <laughs> as your heart desires and no detriment to your heart. <laughs> so, yes, honey, that, that's congratulations. a <laughs> You got it. You got all the bacon. That is the game. That is the podcast. Julia, thank you so much for doing this. What oh, honey, a pleasure. What a ex- great excuse to see your beautiful face. Oh, and, you're so sweet. And learn a little bit more about you, which, of course, uh, it makes me love you more even. So, oh, you're thank so you, Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was my pleasure to do this for you, and you have just been such a delight to work with on the show, and I just... I'm so excited for the world to meet Summer. Oh, let's, we got to get her out there. We'll get her out there. <laughs> and uh, I will, uh, everybody listening, talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Save kittens from trees Or lunch on skyscrapers Bring the villains to their knees Maybe we should Move someplace
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.